from Las Vegas. You're listening to Verve Church for people who don't like church. Thanks for tuning in. Back in 2005, my family was in Raleigh, North Carolina. One morning, we decided to rent a canoe. We had never done anything like that, and it was a bad decision. Uh, the, the deal at this place was you rent a canoe, they let you in a river, you go down about three miles, then they pick you up in a truck, bring you back to your car. Man, we were, we were so excited. It's going to be a fun morning. So we get in and we start rowing. I am in the back. My wife is, uh, Jen, she's in the front. Our two kids, Dawson and Marissa, who were six and four years old, are sitting on the bench in the middle. Uh, from the beginning, we were kind of shaky. We couldn't maneuver through the river, so we kept like slamming into like little tree branches and stuff. But it was fun. We're cracking up at how bad we are at this. But then the speed of the river starts really picking up, and, and it's like, oh, okay, this is for real. And, and we're headed for this huge tree that had fallen over. Not a branch. The entire tree was covering most of the river. And, um, and we're all like, yeah, we're going to hit the tree. Like, funny. And then we hit the tree. Bam. Uh, and our screams turned serious, and then whoosh, we were underwater. It was probably just a few seconds. It felt like forever. We're trapped under the canoe, and then one by one, we start coming out. Uh, the kids were wearing life jackets. My wife and I were not. I grabbed my two kids. Water is like pouring over our heads. I tucked my daughter under our, my arm, and I grabbed on the tree, holding my son in my other arm, and then I, I look for my wife. I see that she grabbed the tree. Uh, our canoe is bloop, 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 sinking into the river. The kids are screaming like in fear. And so to, to, to try to calm them down, I said, no, 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 it's okay. We're, 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 we're going to be all right. Everybody, we're going to be all right. Let's just pray. We're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. It's okay. And then I hear my wife's voice. She yelled to our kids as loud as she could. She said, if anyone has to go to the bathroom, this is the time to do it. Later, I asked her, why? Why? And she said, it's like a three-hour trip. I figured they'd have to go to the bathroom sometime. And I said, but when we're fighting for our lives? She said, they weren't going to be able to fight for their lives. I figured you could fight for their lives and they could go to the bathroom. So then... So there we were, hanging onto a tree in a river, strong current, the canoe's gone. And we needed to be rescued. Have you ever felt like you needed to be rescued? Man, um, I think back to when I was in college. Uh, I had straight A's. I ended up getting a full academic scholarship to law school. Um, I had great friends, I had a good girlfriend. I had supportive family back home. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I just, I felt like s something was missing. Um, life didn't seem to have any real purpose. And the, my, my purpose was, man, I want to make money someday. But so then what? I mean, what, what good is that really going to do? I, I felt just lost. So, so what I did was I did drugs and I, a, a lot, and I drank a lot. And I thought, I would have told you at the time, I'm just trying to have fun. I'm having fun. But really, um, I was trying to be numb. I, I, I wasn't thinking I needed to be rescued, but I needed to be rescued. 
towards the end of my sophomore year of college, I turned on the TV in my dorm room and by mistake heard a preacher talking about Jesus, specifically about the evidence for something that had happened in Jesus' life. I thought, that is stupid. Because if Jesus lived at all, which I suspect he didn't, it was 2,000 years ago, what evidence would there be for something that long ago? But I don't even think he lived at all. But for some reason, it just made me uh, curious. My girlfriend had a Bible in her dorm room. I asked if I could borrow it, and she said, man, my brother gave that to me for Christmas years ago. I don't want it. Take it. Just throw it out when you're done. I don't want it back. So I took it to my dorm room. I expected it to read like a tall tale, you know? Once upon a time, there lived a man named Jesus who had a blue ox named Babe. He could lasso tornadoes. But, but I, I'm reading, and the author is talking about these kind of audacious sentences like, um, about what was handed down to us by those who were from the first eyewitnesses. I'm like, eyewitnesses? And he says, I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. And he's giving places and times when things happened, like in Jesus' life. So like he says, in the time of Herod, king of Judea, the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was the governor of Judea, Herod, Tetric of Galilee, his brother Philip, the Tetric of Ituria and Trachonitis, and Lysanias's Tetrarch of Abilene during the high priesthood of Annas and Cephas. And I read that and I'm thinking, man, if, if something was made up, you wouldn't give those details. And more important, because you gave those details, I can find out this really happened. I mean, there's historians from that time, right? Other than this guy, you can, we can just look at history and see if it's true. And so I did. I spent months examining history to see if what the Bible says really happened. Did Jesus really come? Was he really the son of God? Did he really die on a cross? Did he really raise from the dead? And what I found was volumes of evidence. What, what I found was Tons of people had already tried to disprove the Bible only to prove it and to establish that what it says about Jesus is true. We're, we're talking Harvard professors, scientists, archaeologists, Pulitzer Prize winning investigative journalists. It was shocking. And I, I reached a point where I could no longer deny that the Bible was true. But what was more shocking to me was what the Bible said said that God loved me. And I thought, no way. There's no way. I'm not good enough. I, I have done whoo, too much. But it didn't matter. Because it turns out God is a perfect God who loves with perfect love. God loves with unconditional love. In fact, the Bible says God is love. I was shocked to learn that God loved me and that God was pursuing me. That's what it said. And, and by the way, um, that is the entire point of Christmas. I know we think, you know, gifts and trees and eggnog. No, God is pursuing you. And that's why Jesus came, why he was born in a manger. It was all in pursuit of you. Uh, as I sat in my dorm room and read my girlfriend's Bible, I get to the book of Luke uh, and then I get to chapter 15 in Luke. And the last few weeks here, we've been studying Luke 15, in which Jesus tells three stories. 
Uh, the first story is about a sheep who gets lost. Jesus says the, the shepherd of the sheep has a hundred sheep, but when he has one get lost, he leaves the 99 in the in, in an like all-out search and rescue mission for the one lost sheep. And Jesus tells us that the, the story is a metaphor. Jesus says God is the shepherd and you are the sheep. And God would God would do anything. He would go through anything to pursue you, to let you know of his love so he could bring you home to his love. And I, I sat in that dorm room and I read that and I thought, if that's true, that would change everything for me. The third story is about a son called the prodigal son who uh, disowns his dad, takes his money, goes off and wastes it all. And Jesus says the whole time the father is just waiting for his son to come home, sitting on the porch, candle burning in the window to help his son find the way. Finally, the son hits rock bottom, decides to go home, even though he assumes his father won't take him back in the family. He's walking down the road to the house when his father sees him and runs. He runs to his son, who must have been thinking, oh no. Because the last time he saw his dad, he was telling him that he wished he was dead and taking his money. And he assumes he is about to be rejected. But that is not what happens. Jesus says, so the son, he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. What the son, what the son didn't seem to realize was that the guy who was coming home, uh, who he was coming home to, was his dad. I mean, my kids, uh, they could never do anything to lose my love because they're my kids. And so the father in the story doesn't look at his son with disgust. He, he doesn't shame him. He looks at him with the pride of a father. He can't not love him. And because he loves him, well, he, he hugs him home. <laughs> he hugs him home. The first time I gave a, a sermon in Las Vegas, I shared that story. And there was a guy in the audience named Travis. Uh, Travis was a pimp who was only there because of a girl, but he heard that story, and after the service, he came up to me, and he's crying, this tough pimp. He's crying, and he said, I didn't know I could be loved like that. I didn't know I could be loved like that, and, and later, Travis said yes to Jesus, to, uh, to God's love, to, to, to a relationship with him. 
And, and so did I back in that dorm room. And I learned of a God who loved me, who sent his son Jesus to come and live a human life, born in a manger with, with barn animals and shepherds showing up unannounced, all to pursue me so, so he could bring me home to his love. I, I didn't know I could be loved like that. And so I said yes to who Jesus is, to what he did on the cross for me, to a relationship with him, to, to following him. And it changed my life. Not, not in a day, but it changed my life. And, and, and I ended up switching from law school to ministry and eventually starting this church. And Travis was the first person whose life was changed here. The first of hundreds changed by discovering God was pursuing them, changed by experiencing his love and being brought home into a loving church family. Another of those uh, people whose life has been changed is Jess. And here is her story. My name is Jess. I've been coming to Verb for 12 years. I come with my husband and my two kids. Um, I'm married to my best friend, Jeff. We've been married for about 10 years. Vince actually married us. Uh, my kids are Luke and Riley, and this is my story. My kids were probably about three and four, started asking questions about God. Questions I didn't have answers to. And shortly thereafter, we got our first door hanger from Verb Church. <laughs> and I quickly dismissed that door hanger and threw it in the trash. And wouldn't you know it, two weeks later, another door hanger shows up. So I definitely felt like it was a push. It had been a lot of years since I had been in a church and I would be lying if I told you I wasn't nervous. Um, my experience had been that churches are judgy. Uh, I was a new mom and that was the last thing that I needed was for people to continue to judge me or my parenting or any of those things. So. I was extremely nervous and I was definitely a wallflower for the first couple of weeks that I was here, just kind of sticking to the back row, to the back wall. We came back to Verve for so many reasons. It's not judgy, it's not stuffy. I literally sh showed up in jeans and a hoodie. Uh, the music was fantastic. The message was relatable, but applicable to the things that were going on in my life. And my kids absolutely loved the children's ministry. Like, they wanted to be here all week long. So we kept coming back. About two months after we started coming, I took the leap and I got baptized and figured that I would figure it out. Um, we started coming to Verb in May <laughs> for this one and that one over there. And I didn't realize that I needed it as much, if not more, than they did. And so here I am today. So my relationship with God has changed my life in so many ways. I have lived in Las Vegas for a long time, and Las Vegas is um, very transient, and it's really hard to develop relationships with people, but that's not how it was here. I was able to explore my relationship with God and serve here at church and be involved in groups and serve out in the Las Vegas community. And those are, those are all ways that I really felt my relationship with God start to bloom and grow. 
My life has not been perfect. I am a control enthusiast to the max, but over the years, it has become so apparent to me that God's plan is so much better than my plan. Tough times are always easier when you have the support of friends and family, and I can confidently say that I have so much support here at Verve through the family and friends that I have been blessed with. I've been in small groups forever and I've been fortunate enough to lead um, a group of women and we have matching tattoos together. We go on annual girls trips together. Like our bond is so much more than a, a Verve group anymore. Like those girls are my family and I'm so thankful to have found them here at Verve. I am so grateful that Jesus chose to pursue me. The community that I have developed here in this church and the love that I have experienced is, is bar none the most amazing thing and I am so grateful to Verve for the life that I live now. God is pursuing you. He loves you. He wants to bring you home to his love and to a loving church family. Maybe you feel like you need to be rescued. Maybe not. Uh, one of my favorite bands is called Jack's Mannequin, and they have this song called Rescued, but the singer sings, please don't get me rescued. Kind of like, I'm not ready. And, and I get that. I understand that. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're not ready. Okay. But still, I, I hope that you'll come back here. Not, not just for Christmas. I hope that you come back uh, with a new year, January 8th. You can come back next week, January 1st, but I realize it's New Year's Day, whatever. January 8th, we're starting this new series uh, on January 8th called New Year's Revolutions. We're going to learn how, uh, how the way to change your life starts with changing your identity. That's when real change happens. Now, why don't you come back for that? Even if you feel like you're not ready to be rescued yet. But maybe you do feel like you need to be rescued. Oh, hey, I, I never told you how the situation in the river with our canoe sinking and us struggling for our lives ended, right? Uh, so we were desperate. The water's flowing fast. I wasn't sure how long I could hold on to both my kids and the tree. And that's when we saw him. He was probably uh, six foot two, athletic looking. He was rowing his canoe down the river with the help of his son, who was probably 13, 14. Man, I saw him. I quickly thank God, thank you. And, and I called out, sir, help us, please. And my, like, my kids' terror-filled screams of distress were loud, but I, I knew he could hear me over there. And he was probably about know, 30 yards away, and he could easily just row over to where we were uh, about to drown. And I looked at him, and hope filled my eyes, and I saw him shrug. It was a, a palms up, arms out, shoulders lifted, apologetic, sorry, but I'm not going to help you gesture. I, I could not believe it. I screamed, you, you've got to help us. We can't do this. My kids are going to drown. And he looked at me, same stupid shrug. I, I screamed. I'm like, are you serious? You're going to let us drown. Seriously. And he was already past us now, but I think I heard him say, I'm really sorry. 
And that's when the thought occurred to me, we might actually die here. And that's when we saw them. A canoe appeared from up the river, and then another, and then a third, and then a fourth. There must have been, I'd guess, a dozen altogether. And oddly, they were almost all rowed by kids, male kids, uh, male kids aged 11 to 16. And then I started hearing shouts. They came from one of the few adults. He was pointing at us and saying, this is our opportunity, boys. What's our slogan? And a chorus of, do a good turn daily, was the response. And he yelled, what's our motto? Be prepared, the kids yelled in unison. And yes, it's true, we were saved by Boy Scouts who swooped in and rescued us. They got us in their canoes. They took us to the pickup spot where we explained to the owner of the whole canoe thing that, sorry, but our canoe had sunk. He said, it's okay, it happens. It happens? We were, we were not told it happens. And so he gave us some towels and he told us, say, hey, go wait in the van and in a couple minutes, I'm going to drive you back to your car. And so we get into this big van, and we realize there's two people already sitting in the van. Mr. I-can't-help-you-shrug and his son, I-can't-help-you-shrug, Jr. He looked mortified as we sat down next to him. I said, hey, thanks a lot for your help. And he just kind of looked at his feet, and he said, I'm sorry, I just, I, I didn't know what to do. And so we just sat in silence for a long time. And finally, he tried to, to break the awkwardness with some small talk. He asked, are you guys from around here? And I explained to him, no, we're from out of town. We're visiting family in the nearby uh, area. And he said, oh, okay. He said, my, my son and I live close to here. And I said, no, that's good. And I was trying to be nice. So I said, so what do you do for a living? And he responded, I'm a police officer. You've got to be freaking kidding me. And thank God for the Boy Scouts. And thank God for Jesus. Thank God for Jesus because he came for you. He came to rescue. That's what Christmas is all about. He came to let you know that your father loves you. And, and if you just take a step towards him, he will come running. And take a step. What, what does that look like for you? Keep coming online. Or, or if you're here in Vegas, maybe try showing up in person. Or, or, or uh, what if you started reading one of the books of the Bible about Jesus? That's what I did in the dorm room. Like, like you could read the book of Mark. If you don't have a Bible, there's free Bible apps you can use. Find the book of Art Mar Mark. It's easy, a little search engine. And uh, read the book of Mark. Just you can read a chapter a day. Take a step towards God, and he will come running. He'll come running. There, there's a... Um, there's a song I like uh, that we, we sang uh, last week. Um, it's about that story in the Bible. That's what the song was written about. Uh, the lyrics of the song say, I was once a prodigal. That's what people call the son who left, the prodigal son. I was once a prodigal, burdened by my shame, till you came running to remind me. Your love is unconditional, and in your eyes, I'm worthy of forgiveness. And what was lost is now redeemed. Even though it's not a Christmas carol, I, I thought it might be cool for us uh, to do that song together. So I'm going to pray, and then the band's going to lead us in that song. And wherever you're watching this, you can just listen to the words and let them kind of wash over you. 
And um, and then we're just about done. We got a couple announcements, and then we're going to sing one last uh, song. We kind of have a tradition. We we end uh, our Christmas service by singing Silent Night together, and so um, we're going to do Silent Night. So hang out for a couple more minutes. Um, really listen to the words of this song. But first, let me pray. God, thank you for loving us enough to be willing to send your son. Jesus, thank you for loving us enough to be willing to leave heaven, to come to earth in pursuit of us. I am convinced that the reason uh, each person who is watching this right now is watching this is because you're pursuing them and you led them to watch us because you are after every bit of their heart because you love us so much. God, help us to know you. Help us to, to know and experience your love, to live in it. Thanks for sending Jesus. Thanks for Christmas when we celebrate that you came for us. We pray all this in his name. Amen.